Welcome to National Parks Traveler, where we explore the national parks and the issues that involve them. Go take a hike. Wouldn't that be a great escape this weekend? Some of my most enjoyable hikes have been along the Appalachian Trail. That path was easy to reach when I was growing up in New Jersey. Now based in Utah, the AT is a distant aspiration. Much closer are both the Continental Divide Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail. This is Kurt Repencheck, your host at National Parks Traveler. All three of those trails, the Appalachian Trail, Continental Divide Trail, and the Pacific Crest Trail, are officially recognized as National Scenic Trails. In all, there are 11 trails across the United States that carry that designation. Are they all treated equally when it comes to funding, maintenance, and even completion of an uninterrupted path? Not at all. And we'll dive into those issues and why they are what they are in a minute. Western National Parks Association is a nonprofit education partner of the National Park Service. WNPA supports parks across the West, developing products, services, and programs that enhance the visitor experience, understanding, and appreciation of national parks. Learn more at WNPA.org. The Blue Ridge Parkway Foundation is the primary nonprofit fundraising partner for the Blue Ridge Parkway. It is made up of people who have a deep love for this majestic road and want to ensure that its natural beauty and the experiences it offers endure for generations to come. Show your appreciation at brpfoundation.org. Acadia National Park is one of the 10 most popular national parks in the United States. It's also one of the smallest and most vulnerable. That's why Friends of Acadia exists. Friends of Acadia is an independent organization of passionate people, inspiring those who love this magnificent park to make a real and lasting difference for Acadia. You can make a difference at friendsofacadia.org. Whether it be strategy, business planning, change management, board development, executive search, or diversity planning, Potrero Group is here to help. They mix a depth of experience in the parks and land space with a breadth of best practices from other industries. For more information or to schedule a preliminary conversation, go to potrerogroup.com, P-O-T-R-E-R-O group.com. When we think about the national park system, we don't always think of national scenic trails being part of the system, which is a huge mistake. Some of the country's greatest hiking trails are part of the system. Trails such as the Appalachian National Scenic Trail, the Ice Age National Scenic Trail, and the North Country National Scenic Trail. But not all of the nation's national trails are part of the national park system. Trails such as the Pacific Crest Trail and the Continental Divide National Scenic Trail, the Florida National Scenic Trail, and the Arizona National Scenic Trail are not part of the national park system. Which begs some questions. Should they all be under one agency, that of the National Park Service? What shape are the country's national scenic trails in? And are there some national scenic trails that perhaps don't deserve that designation? To answer these questions, we're joined today by Jim Kern, president of Hiking Trails for America, co-founder of the American Hiking Society, founder of Big City Mountaineers, and one who can count some interesting international hiking adventures on his resume. He just came out with a new book, Broken Promise, The Plight of Our National Trails, an appeal to the U.S. Congress on behalf of 47.9 million hikers. 
Welcome to The Traveler, Jim. Thank you. Now, before we get into the guts of your book, Jim, uh, could you tell us a little bit about your international hiking experiences? Any particular trails hikers should uh, take a look at if they have a sense for adventure? Well, yeah, we have a world to choose from. There are wonderful trails in Europe. I particularly like, since I speak a little French, I, I like the French Alps. And, and in the Alps, uh, they have refuges for the hikers, which is a delight. So you can leave your tent and, uh, and your uh, foam pad and uh, your cooking stove at home. You're going to eat well in the refuges. They have some, uh, a couple of refuges in, uh, in southern Chile. Uh, Torre del Paini is the name of the, uh, uh, the national park down there. I've hiked there. I've hiked in uh, New Zealand, uh, in Australia. I've hiked in the Langtang Range in, in Nepal. I'll tell you, one of my favorite places to hike, this is going to surprise you, northern Pakistan. Really? Yes. It's a Muslim country, but the Muslims there are not part of the squabbles that go on between the Shia and the Sunni. Uh, they're Ismailis. And... Uh, they, they have a life of their own and they, I'm, I'm, they're settled for the most part in uh, the Hunza Valley, which is the extreme northern end of Pakistan and adjoins China. Mm -hmm. And I've hiked in there, oh, let's see, a couple times. I'd go back in a minute, but... Uh, uh, the State Department doesn't want us to do this. <laughs> <laughs> now, my brother wants to get me to Italy to hike the Dolmites. Is that uh, worth going to? I have never hiked there. Oh. But uh, they, get their, they get their share of, uh, of hiking publicity. Yeah, I don't know them. Yeah, yeah. Now, now turning to the National Scenic Trails here in the United States, um, have you hiked each and every one of those? Well, I've set foot on all of them. And I, I did that because I, I felt I had to, if I, if I want to write about the 11 National Scenic Trails, um, I, had to, I had to see what the, every one of them looked like. And um, uh, I, I think Congress, Congress needs to address several problems with our National Scenic Trails. And I don't know how much time we have, Kurt, but I've, I can get on a soapbox on this subject. But I just hope that uh, people will go to my website, sign a petition, and that we'll get enough people that we can press Congress for an oversight hearing. Yeah, we're going to get into that, and we're going to give uh, the listeners uh, reason to do that. Is there any one of the National Scenic Trails that is your favorite, or which is the most challenging, in your opinion? Uh, let's see. Well, heck, I have to say my own Florida Trail first. <laughs> And in truth, you know, it's, uh, uh, you think a, a flat trail, the highest point in, in, in Florida is 300 and some feet. How can, how can that be interesting? It turns out you quickly uh, will decide that hiking on flat land is, is perfectly okay because the uh, ups cancel down the downs when, when diverse habitats in Florida that people don't realize. The, the banks of the Suwannee River, very, very different than the Big Cypress National Preserve, very different from Ocala National Forest, 
the, even the forests, we have three national forests. They're quite different. Osceola and Apalachicola, very different from Ocala National Forest and so on. So, so a flat trail is, is, is for me, perfectly enjoyable. Um, but I have, uh, I've set foot on all of them and I've hiked some distances on the Pacific Crest Trail, the, the um, Continental Divide Trail, of course, the Appalachian Trail, those those i've i've seen more of than than the others now i've i've set foot on a very very short section of the the florida national scenic trail in big cypress and th- there can be some challenging conditions and by, by that i mean you're you could be going from dry ground and into uh, that that wet marl prairie and uh, hiking through slosh i guess yes you're right now a tip for your uh, for your listeners the, the big cypress is pancake flat. You know, there might be in, in uh, 100 square miles, there might be two feet of uh, elevation change. So it's uh, when it dries out, uh, you, you could actually die of thirst in a swamp. No kidding. That's the truth. Hmm. Because it's, it's uh, wide and long enough that you, you wouldn't be that close to a road. I mean, it takes three days of backpacking to walk across the big cypress. A national preserve. So uh, I, I think the best month is February. And I think you want to call the ranger's office down there and ask them how the water level is. And, and then go when there's water in the cypress heads, because there are no lakes or streams. Right. So you want to be able to get your water in, in the center of a cypress head, but you want the pine woods to be dry. Right, right. So getting to your book, why did you write this book? What are are your concerns for the National Scenic Trails? Well, you mentioned that I'm a founder of the American Hiking Society. You know, the AHS's mission is to look out for the interests of hikers. So I have been paying attention to to the hiking community and what it's looking for and, and how we provide trails for hikers for a long, long time, since 1966, when I founded the Florida Trail. So I I have several things that I would like to alert your listeners to. One is that uh, these trails are not complete. Now, if you only hike for a day or two or three, Maybe you can go to every one of them and no, not even every one of them, no, but you, you can go to the best known ones and, and you can hike for two or three days and you'll never know that. But we all like to go to the biggest and the best. You know, when we go to Arizona, we want to see the Grand Canyon. When we go to New York, we want to see the Statue of Liberty. If I go out to California, I want to set foot on the Pacific Crest Trail. And so uh, that's just the way we are, unless it gets crowded and then we say, no, I don't wanna go there. You know, Times Square is too crowded. I wanna go someplace else. But uh, our, we have plenty of open land in America and we ought to have complete trails, continuous trails, and we don't. And you might be surprised about that, but I'm now gonna give you a couple of statistics. Please. Of the 11 National Scenic Trails, uh, of the 11, only one is continuous from end to end. That's the Appalachian Trail. 
And why is it continuous? It's continuous because in the legislation in 1968 that created the national trail system and created the national, the Appalachian National Scenic Trail, Congress provided eminent domain. Believe it or not, there were 700 miles of a 2100 mile trail that were not protected. One third in 1968, one third of the Appalachian Trail was not protected. And that means that the club in those days called the Appalachian Trail Conference was constantly scrambling to figure out when some property owner said, well, I've let you go through here for five years, but honestly, now I want to build a house right here and, and I don't want the hikers over there. So I, I'm, I'm asking you to please relocate your trail. Well, this was getting so onerous to the point where uh, the board thought it would soon become impossible. So they went to Congress and Congress provided eminent domain so that the trail could be complete. Complete now the project of acquiring twenty five hundred separate parcels took thirty years, but about ten years ago, it was fair to say the Appalachian Trail is complete. When they tapped ten more national scenic trails to be part of a national system, they did not offer these trails what they had to have. They did not offer them what they offered the AT, eminent domain. Now, here's what I wanna, uh, one of the things I wanna say emphatically. Every long corridor, every long thin corridor, if it's a highway, if it's a railroad, a power line, a gas line, a fiber optics line, a canal, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Whatever it is, it must have eminent domain. It must have, and I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. The problem is that the hiking community has gotten the idea in their heads that they're going to be able to negotiate all, all the rights of way that they're going to need to complete our national trails. Why is this impossible? Because the bill was passed in 1968. Here we are in 2021. 25% of our national scenic trails are in gaps. 25% of our national scenic trails are in gaps. And the statistics I'm now going to give you should prove to everybody's satisfaction that it's impossible. And that is that at the end of the acquisition of the Appalachian Trail right-of-way, they determined that they had used eminent domain to acquire the Appalachian Trail. They had used eminent domain 400 times. If you have a calculator, you can quickly see 400 out of 2,550 separate transactions is about 15 or 16 percent. So 15 or 16% of the time, you can expect that eminent domain will be required. Otherwise, you aren't getting the property for your corridor. And every corridor must have a continuity. It must be continuous. What in the world good is a fiber optics line if you've got 100 yards missing? Uh, 
2,000 mile stretch. You got right. a big problem. Right. Now, now before we go on too much further, Jim, we should probably point out those National Scenic Trails um, that you're referring to. Of course, you have the Appalachian Trail, as you mentioned, the Arizona National Scenic Trail, the Continental Divide National Scenic Trail, your, your Florida National Scenic Trail, the Ice Age National Scenic Trail, the Natchez Trace National Scenic Trail, the New England National Scenic Trail, the North Country National Scenic Trail, the Pacific Crest National Scenic Trail, the Pacific Northwest National Scenic Trail, and the Potomac Heritage National Scenic Trail. And all these trails, they're not under the same agency. Would that, would that help address some of this problem if they were all under, say, the, the Forest Service or under the, um, the Park Service? Does that, does that matter? I don't know, but I don't think so. I don't think so. The nation has to come to grips with the, the, the fact that long, thin corridors, every long, thin corridors must have the Fifth Amendment to the Bill of Rights in it. And I can tell you, I, I can tell you, it all boils down to this, nor can private property be taken for public use without just compensation. That's it. This whole business about acquiring corridors boils down to, <laughs> to, down to what I just repeated to you in the Bill of Rights. And so fortunately, you know, we can build highways and we can, and we can extend power lines to serve people because, because that's in the Bill of Rights. But there's one more statistic I'd, I'd like to get across to you, and that is this. The U.S. Highway Department I'm talking about U.S. highways, not counties, not, they have eminent domain too. Cities have eminent domain too. I want to talk about U.S. federal highways. All you have to do is go to the U.S. Federal Highway Administration. You can confirm what I'm going to tell you. And that is that in the course of 2020, 2020, that is, the U.S. highway system, the federal highway system, acquired about... I don't have the exact number, but it's about 21, uh, sorry, 31,000 separate parcels in all 50 states plus Guam plus Puerto Rico. Uh, about 31,000 transactions. Guess what? The use of eminent domain was within one percentage point of what I gave you for the Appalachian Trail, between 15 and 16%. Now, if you go back to 2019 and then go back to 2018, you'll get another approximately 30,000 acquisitions and you will find that the use of eminent domain consistently runs between 15% and 16%. So when somebody tells me we're gonna negotiate the rights of way because uh, people are friendly and they're nice, uh, no, you're not and our trails will never be complete until we bite the bullet and we can get, convince Congress that this is what we need. Yeah. We're talking today with Jim Kern, uh, the author of Broken Promise, The Plight of Our National Trails, an appeal to the U.S. Congress on behalf of 47.9 million hikers. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Listener, 
and reader support make National Parks Traveler possible every day of the year. If you enjoy the Traveler's content, please consider a donation via nationalparkstraveler.org. The North Cascades Institute has a large portfolio. It's an environmental learning center, training center, conference center, and leadership center, all set in the splendor of the North Cascades National Park Complex. Learn more at ncascades.org. Washington State is graced with three spectacular national parks, each different and special in their own unique ways. As the official nonprofit partner and the only philanthropic organization dedicated exclusively to supporting these parks through charitable contributions, Washington's National Park Fund has a mission to raise private support to deepen everyone's love for, understanding of, and experiences in Mount Rainier, North Cascades, and Olympic National Parks. Share your passion for these parks at WNPF.org. The Grand Teton National Park Foundation is a private, nonprofit organization that supports projects that protect and enhance Grand Teton National Park's cultural, historic, and natural resources. By funding initiatives that go beyond what the National Park Service could accomplish on its own, Foundation donors improve the visitor experience and provide benefits to the national park system for decades to come. You can see their successes at gtnpf.org. Do you love one-click shopping? With our partner, Interior Federal Credit Union, you can earn rewards just by making online purchases. You're missing out on rewards points if you're not using their Visa credit and or debit card. By adding these cards to your online shopping cart with Amazon, Walmart, or other shopping retailers, you can earn a point for every dollar you spend. Binge watching a lot with streaming services like Netflix and Hulu? Use their card for recurring payments to earn points as well. Visit their website, interiorfcu.org, and read their blog for more details and how to apply. Now, Jim, um, looking at the National Scenic Trails, why should people care about the state of these trails? I mean, if you can hike a hundred miles without disruption, um, isn't that enough for most people? It probably is, but uh, I, I would, I, I'm gonna answer it, your question in, in more than one way. Like I said just a few minutes ago, people like to set foot to be a part of, to say they've seen the biggest and the best. I mean, you know, when there's a professional boxing match, they always say, say save the, the heavyweight championship for the, for the end. That's the big event. And they, they want to see who's the biggest. Uh, what, what, what building in Manhattan is the tallest? And on and on. That's just the way we are. And so how many people hike on, on the Florida Trail, which has uh, missing 300 miles, we're missing 300 miles in a 1,300-mile trail, how many people hike on the Florida Trail, and we're 50 years old now, we didn't grow up yesterday, compared to how many people hike on the Appalachian Trail? Okay, so it's been around for 95 years. A big, big difference. I mean, the, my point is it's not a big difference. We've been around long enough. I'm going to give you the statistics for that. We have 365,000 people that set foot on the Florida Trail two years ago. 3 million people set foot on the Appalachian Trail. Now, they, they, in part, they know it's complete. 
you know, they want to, we all want to see the biggest and the best and the, the prettiest and the ugliest, <laughs> the longest river. I want to canoe on the longest. It goes on and on. Sure. So uh, we're all that way. And we would get so many more visitors. Look, we have the Florida Trail has the only winter footpath in the nation free of snow. Now, all the others have, are snowed in. And so now, don't you think that we would get visitors pouring in, hikers coming in December, January, February, and March? Our hiking season is just as long, longer than some of the mountain trails, but we all tend to be that way. And the other thing is, I, I hike on the Florida Trail in the wintertime. And you know, I hike in my favorite spots. So I've got a half a dozen spots I go to. You know what? I'd like a dozen. I'd like two, two dozen. And thirdly, I would say, when you hike from end to end, and every year about 15 or 20 people do it, they always write back and complain about the gaps on the highways. The gaps in the Florida Trail require a roadwalk. And so you get out on a roadwalk that's hot and dangerous and boring, and that's not the place for a hiker to be. They, we need to get the trails in the woods. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the biggest and the best. And, and one thing that jumped out at me in your book was the funding inequities. That the, the biggest, the Appalachian Trail and the, the Pacific Crest Trail, get the lion's share of, of funding to maintain their trails, which are by and large complete. I mean, the Appalachian Trail is complete and the Pacific Crest Trail is, is almost complete, I guess. How do we deal with those inequities? Yeah, that's another reason why we need an oversight hearing. I can't wait to tell Congress to get on this and to, and to change this. It's, uh, if you're going to call it a National Scenic Trail, then it, it needs help being identified and being completed and being promoted. And instead, we're treating, we're treating these trails almost like a private enterprise. And I say in my book, there's a, a, a private enterprise gives us all kinds of quality of life because people are out there in competition with each other trying to trying to deliver better product for less money. But that's not the way the government should work. The government ought to treat these trails about the same. And there's it's it's very, very out of balance right now. So the big guys are getting all the money. And with the, well, I'll be specific. Uh, the, the Appalachian Trail. In the money that's been distributed in the last 20 years, the Appalachian Trail and the Continental and the Pacific Crest Trail, those two out of 11 have taken 15%, have secured, obtained 50% of, of the available funds. Five zero. Yep, five zero. Now, you, you talk about, um, and those are big numbers, right? I mean, did I see a, a $20 million figure there? <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah, right, right. Now, the Appalachian Trail is continuous from end to end. So you know what? They're spending money on viewshed. Well, I think that's lovely. I, I think that's lovely. But, you know, I've got the Florida Trail's 300 miles of, of paved road walking. No, I think we ought to prioritize this, this kind of need. Now, you talk about trying to get an oversight hearing in Congress and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think um, either this past uh, congressional session or the one before it, um, legislation, I believe, was adopted to 
to greatly expand the, the North Country Trail, wasn't it? That uh, it went from maybe 1,000 or 1,500 miles to, I think you could almost do 4,000 miles, can't you? I, th- I think you can, uh, not 4,000, no. But I, it was expanded, and I don't know the details of that. However, keep in mind of the 90,000 U.S. highway purchases that I that I gave you, that's, that's an enormous statistic, uh, a sampling, 15 to 16% of the parcels will not be obtainable. And so the same is gonna apply for any corridor acquisition anywhere, anytime in this country. It's, uh, that's a figure that I want Congress to rely on. That's the number. If you don't need a continuous this or that, then you can ignore it. But if you, if you have a, a use, for a corridor that's continuous, you cannot ignore that statistic. The sample is large enough. We can't ignore it. And so the North Country Trail will never be completed. Hear me out, will never be completed until Congress provides eminent domain. Now, would they have to provide additional dollars for that as well? Oh, yeah. Yep. The, the, just compensation was the phrase that you heard a minute ago. Just compensation may be, uh, you know, would be would be required. And here's another point. Uh, this is a, sort of an aside issue, but you know, when a county or a state or a federal government doesn't have the funds but needs land, they get doing things they shouldn't do. They become demeaning and cheap. Now, you're taking somebody's land, you jolly well better pay a fair price. But there are ways in which governments can get get around this on the sly. For example, I'll just give you one example. For example, let's say your property up on a ridge is zoned um, open rural. Okay, now that permits all kinds of uses. So, Let's say uh, the the government entity that's eyeing this uh, wants it and they don't think they have enough money. They can downgrade the zoning from open rural to agricultural. Then they go in and with an appraiser who's now gonna uh, downgrade it, downgrade the value because of of the use. Believe me, I've been in the real estate business 60 years, the land business, I shouldn't say real estate, the the land business, a very selective part of the real estate business. And I've seen this happen often enough to tell you it goes on and it shouldn't. Just compensation, we gotta come up with the money and like a big boy, we have to pay for the right of way. Where do we get that money from? Do we start? Taxes. <laughs> Ta- taxes or, or, or a fee to hike a trail? Now, wait a minute. That's a wonderful question. Um, thank you for, for, for asking me that, that question, Kurt, because last year, Congress permanently funded the Land and Water Conservation Fund. Most of the money from now on for parks expansions, for forest expansions, endangered lands, foot trail right away will come from here on out from the Land and Water Conservation Fund. And the Land and Water Conservation Fund comes from the extraction industries. If you're taking 
limestone out of the ground, silver out of the ground, oil out of the ground. You pay a tiny sum to the federal government for extracting that material. And that tiny amount turns out to be gigantic in terms of the needs that are being supplied by the Land and Water Conservation Fund. As far as getting back to Congress and an oversight hearing, um, do you see any likelihood of that happening soon? Have you been talking to uh, congressional representatives about the, the need for such an oversight hearing? In 1968, we had a friend in court, a Goodloe Byron. Uh, Goodloe Byron was a congressman from Maryland, and he it was a backpacker. And uh, he he helped get the things going that we, the 1968 act and the 1978 uh, act, we don't have that kind of a friend at, at, at court uh, these days. And we, we have to find him. I have written, I won't mention names, but I have written to, to congressmen I thought might be open, two of them in particular, they haven't stepped forward. So maybe you, uh, maybe you should tell us who that, we can write them too. Well, Tim Kaine, he, he ran as vice president with Hillary Clinton. Tim Kaine in Virginia. Oh, I'd love that guy to get it. That, that's a good that's a good point, Kurt. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah, that that would be that would be far and away my first choice. Uh, shoot, this, this guy could make it happen. And uh, I sent him a copy of my book and I haven't heard from him. What about Joe Manchin? I think he was just elevated to the uh, the chair of the Senate Energy and Natural Resources Committee. West Virginia, I went to school there. There's some beautiful hiking trails. Yeah, yeah. But, but you see, uh, what I mean is that Goodloe Byron was a hiker. Tim Kaine on his website has a picture of him with a, with a pack on. I, I don't know about Manchin, I, I, but I do know, and I, I said there are a couple of names. Another one is Fortenberry from Nebraska. But if you if I write Fortenberry today, there's going to be a form letter comes back and says I only correspond with with um, people in my district. Exactly. Big stumbling block. Yeah, I'm I'm not very politically savvy, which is a big handicap for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one other thing I want to touch on, Jim, before our, our conversation ends, another surprising thing that you brought up in your book was you don't think that all trails that hold that National Scenic Trail designation should be considered a National Scenic Trail. Why is that? In the, in the creation of these trails uh, and getting nominated and getting voted upon, it's not surprising. Politics gets involved. And we had a decade ago, no, 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 uh, I should say maybe a generation ago, we had a very political, politically influential senator who thought it would be a great idea if we had uh, some trails that he had in, in mind and they've become national scenic trails and in far, one in particular is an embarrassment to me. Um, and, and that's the... Um, the Natchez Trace Trail. I drove from my home here in Florida all the way out to uh, Mississippi just to see it. Now, the idea was that a footpath would parallel the Natchez Trace. Uh, the Natchez Trace goes from Nashville to more or less New Orleans. It doesn't go that far down. 
anyway, the problem with uh, with that idea is you got <laughs> it's close enough to the, the the parkway, the Natchez Trace Parkway, that you're never out of the sound of automobile traffic. Now that in and of itself should kill the whole idea right there. But Senator Phil Burton got his way and we made a, a National Scenic Trail out of the Natchez Trace Trail. Well, there's more problems than that to it. First of all, you can often even see the cars, not just hear the cars. Uh, there's so little interest for this thing that they've only created 60 miles out of a 440 mile parkway. They've only created 60 miles of trail. And now here's the killer for you. That 60 miles is broken into five pieces. Now they've had enough years to make something happen good out there and they haven't done it. Get rid of that sucker. Hmm. Throw that baby out with a bath. I think you also mentioned, I believe, the Potomac Heritage National Scenic Trail. Yes, uh, this this is a, 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 an issue of a different kind. The Potomac Heritage, if you get the government map that's put out by the Park Service, it doesn't say Potomac Heritage Trail. It says Potomac Heritage. Well, there's a good reason for that, because there's really no long footpath in the Potomac heritage system. It's more like a collection of, of, of isolated trails or trails that, that aren't suitable to be extended or are part bicycle trail and part hiking trail. Uh, when we started the national trail system with the Appalachian Trail, they created a prototype. Here's the National Trail System Act passed by Congress and Lyndon Johnson. And here's a prototype, what it's, what it's gonna look like. Look at the Appalachian Trail and you'll get an idea of what it's gonna look like. Now, is that true for uh, the Pacific Crest Trail? Yes. Continental Divide Trail? Yes. North Country Trail? Yes. Florida Trail and so on? Yes. Ice Age Trail? Yes. By that standard, the Potomac Heritage Trail, a collection of, uh, of assortment of trails, doesn't, doesn't fit. And, and maybe because it's in the capital, it ought to be recognized it's in some way, created maybe another category or something. But when I think of a national scenic trail, I think of a long footpath. That ain't it in the... Potomac Heritage Basin. Sorry, it's not that. In fact, in fact, in fact, the nicest part of the trail is way up <laughs> out of the basin of the Potomac. The best part of the, the Potomac Heritage Trail lies closer to Pittsburgh, but that's another story. <laughs> All right. We've been, <laughs> we've been talking today with Jim Kern, uh, the author of Broken Promise, The Plight of Our National Trails. Jim, where, where can folks pick up this book? You can go to any number of places. Um, I'm president of Hiking Trails in America. If you type in Hiking Trails for America, you'll also, you'll also get, get there. Hiking Trails in America, Hiking Trails for America. And you get a chance to sign the petition. You get a chance to buy the book. You can go to Friends of the Florida Trail. You can go to my own site, jimkern.us.com. 
jimkern.us.com. If you've forgotten all of that, you can go to Google and type in Jim Kern Hiker. That'll just get you to, eventually you'll get to a website that way. But the others right away, you'll, you'll be able to buy the book for uh, $14.95. But uh, I, I would urge you to become familiar with some of the information that I've been sharing with your listeners today because, because the facts are startling. And so, you know, I, I'd ask that they be on your on the tip of your tongue so that you, you can share this information uh, with, with people. They need to know these changes are needed. And absolutely. And, and with the great rush we've seen in the past year during the COVID uh, pandemic with people wanting to get outdoors and enjoy the outdoors and uh, get out on a hiking trail, hopefully we can raise their, their concern over the, the situation with the National Scenic Trails. Yeah, that's a good point. Boy, uh, footpaths certainly proved their value in the pandemic, didn't they? I mean, I mean, think about it. It's it's a foot trail is is ideal. You're you're you haven't gone out there to see seek a crowd. You went out there to seek some exercise and some solitude. And if you're walking down the trail and you see somebody coming, it's it's no pain at all to just step off the pathway, and and. 10 feet into the woods and let them pass. Uh, so a trail can accommodate many, many more people than you normally find on a trail. So yeah, and not only that, they're, they're a bargain. Uh, you don't need a bunch of expensive infrastructure. And, and lastly, Kurt, there is a culture in our system, in, in our trail system in America, for trail maintenance. We volunteers maintain our trails. It started because Benton Mackay, the founder of the Appalachian Trail, conceived it as a, a, as a volunteer enterprise. And that culture has stuck with us. And it's a good one. Volunteers maintain the trails. We, we're not paying the government to go out there and maintain our trail. When the government gets involved, they have money to spend and they and they build some nice bridges and, and nice signage and so on. All well and good. What we need are paint blazes on trees and we need a cleared footpath and volunteers do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks again, Jim. And uh, we'll, re- we'll reach out to uh, Senator Kane's office and see what he has to say about possibly conducting or, or calling for an oversight hearing. I would thank you. I would thank you enormously if you would do that. Maybe on your letterhead, uh, you'll pay attention. Maybe, maybe. Thanks again, Jim. Have a great day. You're welcome. Great day for you. That's our show for this week. We hope you enjoyed it. With the rush to the outdoors that we've seen the past year, completing the National Scenic Trails and taking better care of them is an important issue that needs to be tackled. As Jim Kern noted, he's tried to gain the attention of U.S. Senator Tim Kaine of Virginia to push for an oversight hearing on the national trail system. Senator Kaine seems like a natural. If you go to his website, kaine.senate.gov, you'll see a photo of him on a rocky point overlooking the landscape, possibly the Shenandoah Valley. You can help the cause of the National Scenic Trails by letting Senator Kaine and your own congressional delegation know how important those trails are to you. For The Traveler, this is Kurt Repencheck. See you in the parks.
The composers and musicians at Orange Tree Productions have created a unique collection known as the National Park Series that has grown to include more than 30 CD titles. Composed against the backdrop of a park's sounds of nature, these musical scores will connect you with these beautiful places and take you there, at least in your mind. This collection is the number one selling National Park audio series in the world and provides the background music for National Park's Travelers podcast. Visit them at orangetreeproductions.com. Editing and production work for the National Parks Traveler podcast is done by Splitbeard Productions. You can learn more about us at splitbeardproductions.com. National Parks Traveler is a 501c3 nonprofit media organization that provides daily editorial coverage of national parks and protected areas. Traveler's coverage is made possible by reader and listener donations. Visit us at nationalparkstraveler.org.